Welcome to the Ardent Archives, a ministry of North Clay Baptist Church. Here we explore the writings of church history in order to edify and equip the saints in their ongoing discipleship. In this series, we are reading and discussing The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Written in the late 1600s, The Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory of the Christian life, following the main character, Christian, on his journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. More than any other work in the history of the church, The Pilgrim's Progress captures both the struggles and joys of living the Christian life in a way that is not only accurate, but enjoyable to read. So prepare yourself for an epic adventure as we embark on The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Hello again and welcome back to the Ardent Archives. We are discussing uh, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, and this is actually going to be our last discussion for the podcast. Now, before we get started, I do want to say that if you have uh, jumped ahead and listened to these discussions uh, before uh, listening to the book or before reading the book yourself, uh, my advice to you before you listen to this last discussion, before you listen to us uh, talk about the Celestial City, my advice would be to go back and to read the entirety of the book, the entirety of Christian's journey from the City of Destruction to the Celestial City, and then come back and listen to this, uh, listen to this episode, because I do think that as we discuss uh, what's laid out in Bunyan's allegories, we discussed uh, some things uh, concerning uh, what heaven is like, what the new heavens and the new earth will be like, what, will, what it will be like uh, to spend eternity with with Christ. Um, uh, I, I do think that it, it'll be very helpful uh, to have read the book. I do think it'll be helpful to have understood Christian's journey, and then not only that, see some of the imagery that Bunyan lays out uh, in, in that last chapter. So uh, obviously, you know, you can do what you want, but that would be my advice to, to go back and to read the book uh, and then to come back and listen to this, listen to this discussion. It's and a bit like reading the end of the book before the beginning. If you, yeah, if you yeah. hear about us just talking about it and kind of chewing it over before you've actually read what's going to happen. You know? Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And th- not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, skipping to the end and, and kind of, you know, uh, seeing what, what takes place before you actually read the whole story. But as far as this discussion, I think it would be most beneficial to, to go and read the book. Now, like I said, this is going to be our last discussion. Um, you know, we've obviously we've discussed a whole lot more for this book than we did with On the Incarnation, uh, obviously because it's a bigger book. Uh, but there's also just so much more to discuss. Yeah. I went back and looked uh, at all the recordings, all the discussions we've done so far, and not including this discussion, we've already discussed this book for about five hours. And if We can you, talk really a lot. Yeah, yeah. And if you also take into account the fact that uh, we d- would discuss things prior to recording, uh, and then not only that, while we were actually recording the book, uh, there were portions where we'd stop and discuss what we yeah. just read. Um, you know, we're probably looking at somewhere between eight and 10 hours of, yeah. of discussing this book. Uh, and although we spent about eight to 10 hours discussing this book, it still feels like there's so much more that needs to be. Yeah, we haven't said. even scratched the surface. Right. Barely scratched the surface. And so, you know, one of the things we say at the end of all these discussions is that the, these these discussions are not exhaustive by any stretch. And there's always so much more that can be talked about. There's always so much more that can be said. And so our our primary goal is that as we discuss, as we sit here and discuss these things, that you would take uh, what you hear us discuss uh, and you would have uh, conversations and discussions with with people in your life. Um, and hopefully uh, you're able to to learn uh, from those discussions and, and also grow in your faith. And so what we're discussing right now is the celestial city. We have a journey with Christian throughout the entirety of this book. And in our discussions, we've also, uh, you know, looked at Christian's burden. We've looked at salvation. We've looked at true pilgrims and false converts. We've also looked at the struggles and joys of the path. And so now everything culminates with the arrival at the celestial city. Yeah. And there's so much that Bunyan packs into his, his description of the celestial city. And I want to to read a, a quick comment from from Ken Pulse. If you uh, remember, Ken Pulse has written a commentary on uh, the Pilgrim's Progress, uh, and just kind of goes to show how much there is to say. Yeah, about we kind of let that sink in just a little bit. He right. wrote a commentary on the Pilgrim's Progress, and it's 
you know, compared to our discussions, it's a fairly exhaustive commentary, but it's fantastic. I mean, not only does he provide uh, his own personal insights, uh, but he also uh, provides a lot of scripture. So you can kind of understand, okay, where, where does Bunyan get these things from? Uh, But one of the things he says in his commentary, he says, um, uh, let's see, he says, the pilgrims have long looked forward to the day when they would finally reach their destination and see with their eyes what they sought by faith. The shining ones told them that the beauty and the glory of it was inexpressible. For those of us who are still on the journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city, it is impossible to fully grasp and describe the splendor of heaven. Bunyan, however, provides us a glimpse of its wonder. And I think that's that's an excellent point to make is that there's really no way for us as creatures, as uh, finite creatures at that to fully grasp the wonders and the glories of eternity in heaven with God, with our creator. Right. Uh, and yet he also points out that Bunyan, however, does provide us with a glimpse of what heaven is like. Well, and, and we should want to know what oh, heaven absolutely. is like. You know, the Bible does inform us of these things, you know, and, and I, I've always likened it to the, the idea that if I were going on a trip to, you know, anywhere in the world, you know, if I were going to take my family and we were going to go on a vacation and we were going to to enjoy time there then we would want to get to know things about the destination right, we're going right, to right absolutely now, every single believer claims because of Christ we're going to heaven and if we don't put as much effort into figure out where we're going to go and spend all of eternity for and what the joys are there then we're not putting our stock necessarily in 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 where we need to. We're, our our hope is not here. Our hope is not yeah. on this on this life and in this plane. Our hope is for an eternal glory in heaven with Christ. Well, and we would say it's pretty foolish to for anyone to go anywhere without doing some amount of research right. on where you're going. Right. If right. you're going to plan a trip to I don't know Kansas, right, you would want to know. Okay, how do I get there? Right. Uh, once I get there, what do I do? Where do I stay? Where do I go? How do I feed? You know, the, the, like there's all these questions that you would want to ask. And it, we, we would say, you're, honestly, you're kind of an idiot if you just drive up there and I'm just going to make it up as I go. Yeah. Right. And, and yet sometimes when it comes to heaven, there is a, we almost approach it with that sort of attitude. Yeah. Ah, we'll just see when we get there. Yeah. But but it's, it's a complete reversal of who we really are right, and, and what we right. really should desire. And, and, and you know, Back to what you said, there is so much about heaven. We we know this from what's revealed in Scripture. There's yes. so much about heaven that that we just are not going to be able to comprehend with our minds in this sinful and fallen world. But there are things we can know because right. God, right. in His wisdom, has seen fit to tell us things that we can understand right. and that we can grasp. And if we can grasp those things, it is the height of foolishness not to want to know what it is that God has prepared for us. Right. Christ says he goes to prepare a place for us. If I go, I will come again to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Yes. We're going there if we're in Christ. And we're going to be there for all of eternity. What is this place going to be like? Right. And we need to be not swept up in it in the sense that we're no longer lights in this world, that we're no longer in the world, but not of the world. But you're so heavenly minded, you know, you're no earthly. Yeah, right? that's Isn't a common that saying? saying. And it does bear some weight. You know, there are some people who they, they don't, they're no earthly good because they, they just keep their head in the clouds. Right. We're not called to be that. But at every turn. When Christian and hopeful or faithful, when they are walking through this dark world, they're always reminded of the joys and the hope of what is to come. Yes. And they always find, they find comfort, even rest in those conversations about heaven, about the celestial city. And I want to, and I do want to point out that it is important to say that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ken makes the comment in, in his commentary that it's impossible for us to fully grasp or describe what heaven is like. Uh, but Bunyan does provide us a picture of it. And I, I, I want to say uh, very uh, strongly that the only way that Bunyan is able to do this is because of his knowledge of the scriptures. Yes, yes. Um, and that what Bunyan lays out, the imagery that he uses, sort of the picture he paints uh, of what the celestial city is like, isn't didn't come from his own mind. 
or wasn't, you know, speculation, uh, you know, about, well, let me, let me think of what I would like and let me project that onto, to what heaven will be like. And sadly in our day, you know, in our, in our modern day, that's, that's what we do see a lot of, yeah, we, see, it a we lot. see a lot of, uh, uh, people trying to sell this idea of heaven. Um, I mean, several of the best-selling books, you know, so-called Christian literature books mm-hmm. are, are books of people who said, oh, yeah, I spent a week in heaven this one time, or I died and I spent 15 minutes in heaven and here's what my experience Yeah, this was. kind of heaven tourism uh, phenomenon that's yeah, taken place yeah. in the last 20 years. That's such a good way years. to put it, heaven tourism. Uh, but... It, one of the things we see with all of these the, these heaven tourism books is that uh, a lot of their experience is not informed in any way by what the scriptures say. No, and that's and that's not the way that Bunyan is. Bunyan's uh, allegory is is painted with the scriptures. You know, we've said several times if you cut him anywhere, he would bleed scripture, mm-hmm. and that's what we see in his description of the celestial city. That everything he describes, everything he points to, everything he looks at, everything he's uh, just just absolutely captivated by is found in the scriptures. And and even in the even in the books that that do describe these you know encounters, which I I don't think that they they really happen. I don't think a person dies goes to heaven and is sent back. I would agree with that. I, I don't, I don't, don't think, think so, really. that's true. I don't think that's a nice or gracious thing of God. I think that's a, what a, what a terrible thing. Enter into the joy of your salvation. Oh, just kidding. Go back. Right. That's your actually faith is a, that's, made sight. And then, Oh, too bad. You've yeah, actually got to go back. That's actually, that's actually a mean and calloused thing for, that's not a gracious thing. Right. But even, even in, in, in the most popular of them, which will go unnamed, I will not name the title, but You've got a boy who says he sees heaven and that he he does it and he's explaining all this stuff to his dad. And then the child who says he saw heaven gets bored about talking about heaven and then goes off to play something else that's more engrossing than heaven. Right. And then the dad, as an afterthought, thinks about oh what was the what was my son talking about oh maybe it has to do with this bible verse and he shoehorns the bible into what a boy who is bored of his description of heaven is saying and so people might that's definitely there, the right filter when, yeah. when i read the scriptures that's definitely what i want to filter it through is, right is, right it's is, is through the eyes and perspective of someone who's bored with heaven right yeah that it, sounds it, that sounds correct and and the the mindset there that was you sarcasm know, there are so many people who will sit there and think you know well well these these heaven tourism books they they include the scriptures and everything like that but they come at it at the at a completely different angle than bunyan does bunyan's knowledge of the scripture informs the delights of the celestial city right it's not the experience or even the idea the idea that is in the mind of this person that they're writing down it's not that which informs the scripture yeah upon now you can find hope and delight well this is one of the problems with proof texting Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when we proof text based on you know whatever our current situation is uh, I think it was Jeff Durbin I heard say that uh, proof texting is a pretext for taking verses out of context. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reality. You know, when we look at the scriptures, we have 66 different books written by 40 different authors yeah. over the span of about 2,000 years. Um, and yet there's a consistency in the scriptures mm-hmm. because ultimately they only have one author right. and that's the Holy Spirit. They right. were They were inspired by God himself. And so there is a consistency to the scriptures and for us to take things out of context and plug them into a, a, a different context or a different situation or a different idea and say that this is what it means. It, we lose, we lose the, 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 the overarching narrative of what the scriptures are communicating. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the distinctions between, you know, biblical theology and systematic theology. You know, obviously your, your biblical theology deals with the overarching narrative of the scriptures and your systematic theology sort of deals with some of the finer points of, of particular uh, issues or doctrines that, that the scriptures address. So if I wanted to find out what does the Bible say about demons, I would look to systematic theology to answer those questions. But if I wanted to know what is happening in this world, uh, I would probably have to look at my biblical theology because right. that actually paints the broad picture of what's, right. of what's taking place. Um, but uh, one of the problems we have in in being so overly fascinated with the systematic aspect of theology and really separating it from the biblical theology is that really we could take any verse we wanted to 
uh, rip it out of its context and and create its you know a whole new system of theology based on what the scriptures yeah. say. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and and even in a more mild sense, right? You and I have some differing theological oh, viewpoints, yeah, yeah, yeah. and both of us use the scriptures to define our theological viewpoints. Yeah. And so we can see even even in seeking to understand the scriptures correctly. There's room for disagreement. There's room for yeah. for for us to 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 have conflict, uh, but the the ultimate question, right, is not who has better proof text or who has more proof text or whose proof text sounds better or you know this that or the other thing. The real question is is okay. You have your proof text for your particular theological position. How does that fit in with the overarching uh, message of what the Bible is preaching? Right. How does right. that fit in with the overarching narrative of what the Bible is communicating? Right. And if if we can't do that, well then we, we kind of miss the point. Right. And I think that's what Bunyan does really well in this allegory from start to finish. Is is he really uh, seeks to paint a picture of what it means to follow God. And he really uh, informs that allegory with the scriptures through and through. Right. He doesn't bog it down with, you know, with, with necessarily areas that can be in conflict. He says, no, no, this is just, this is just, this is just the Bible guys. Right. This is just, right. this is just what it says. And, and to go against what these things to, are taught from the scriptures is to not understand the Bible. Yeah. It's not that I'm on a different theological place. No, this is just this is being a Christian. Right. Living like right. this Absolutely. is being is just being a Christian. And if we're being honest, most of our theological spats don't really come from what does the scripture say, but how how do we understand it? Right. Or or how to, exactly does it apply? Right. And really Bunyan doesn't really get bogged down in the uh here's actually how the scripture applies in this particular instance. Yeah. It, it type deal, but really it's just a this is what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. In his dealings with false pilgrims, uh in in his uh illustration of the celestial city, it's really not a hey, here's the mm-hmm. scripture and here's how it works. It's just a here's the scripture. Right. You know? Right. Um so I, I love this chapter because it is the culmination of all the things that, that they've been going through. Yeah. I love this chapter because because there's no there's there, there's it's still allegory. There's still he paints a picture that's that's beautiful and it's in line and it's a story, very much like the rest of it. But again, it just comes straight from scripture. And there's there's no there's no I feel this way about heaven or I feel this way about the celestial city. It's just simply, hey, this is the promise of the Bible. Right. Right. One of the things I love about it is is you know you're introduced early on. They 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 come through uh, the river of death, and they are met immediately by these shining ones on the other side. Yeah. They saw the shining ones while they were uh, in the river of death, but then they meet these shining ones over there, and these shining ones are going to escort them with all the pomp uh, that they can muster up to the gates of the celestial yeah. city. I love that. And and there is maybe even there is a biblical uh, evidence for that. There's really one spot is Luke chapter 16 uh, where we hear the story of the rich man Lazarus, and it says that when Lazarus dies, that the angels took him to Abraham's bosom. So, are you saying that that's not a parable? I am, I do not believe that's a parable. I, don't I believe either. that's the story. Uh, but they take him to uh, Abraham's bosom, and this, of course, they're taking him to what's known as the celestial city, uh, both uh, Christian and hopeful. Yeah. And, and, and some of the pictures he paints, right? He says, uh, uh, but uh, now the city stood upon a mighty hill, but the pilgrims went up that hill with ease. You know, mm-hmm. compare that to Christians struggle at the hill difficulty Yes, because they had these two shining men to lead them up by their hands. Also, I love the way he says this. Also, they left their mortal garments behind them in the river for although they went in with them, they came out without them. Yeah. And it's just like this. Again, it's just such a poetic way of illustrating that we're going, our mortality is going to be left behind. Right. Our, our, our flesh is going to be left behind and will instead be closed in eternity. That which can be claimed by the river of death is left right, in death. Right. And that which is meant to endure, endures. Yeah. And it's a, a beautiful thing. And, 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 and they are taken up. And they ask all these questions, you know, what, 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 you know, what are we going to see and what are we going to do and, and, and what's there and all these kinds of things. And, and, and one of the first things they say there is, uh, is you are now going to the paradise of God, wherein you shall see the tree of life and eat of its never fading fruits. And, and, and Bunyan makes uh, uh, it clear, Hey, this celestial city is not just, 
that's not just a part of your path. You're not continuing on in, in what's going to be going on. You know, this is not this is not just like it's not like the interpreter's house. It's not like the palace beautiful. You're there with the tree of life. That's significant there right, because right. from the Garden of Eden, we do know there was a tree of life. If you plucked and took the fruit from the tree of life and ate of it, you would live forever. And so this celestial city, hey, here's the tree of life. Right. You will, you are designed, you will be living here forever. This is your eternity. Yeah. This is your forever here in this celestial city. Well, and this is, uh, again, like you said, it's kind of contrasted with the other joys we, we yes. saw on the path. This is not like Beulah Land. They were intended to stay in Beulah Land right, forever. Right. While it was it was a joyful uh, a stop on their journey, while they were uh, edified, while they were equipped. And uh, even prepared for yes, the celestial city. Yes, uh, it, it was clear that this was not the final resting place. Right. You know, and that's, you know, one of the things we see in the Delectable Mountains is the shepherds point out to them the celestial city. They can see it Mm -hmm. from the Delectable Mm -hmm. Mountains. And it just goes to show uh, that that is uh, when we gather, when we uh, uh, are are being taught and we're being preached to and we're being edified and all these things uh, like that's not the end goal. We should we should instead always be pointing people to no, no, no. That's where we're headed. Yeah. We're, we're headed for eternity with Christ, right. you know, and although this is a joyful time, this is a, a, a great thing that we're able to do this. This is, this is not the end. Right. This is just the means the of grace. That so God, much better. That God uses yeah. to carry us to the end. Right. Um, and so they get, the, they, they get this promise of this tree of life. This is forever. And, and, and not only that, so they, they're told about what will be there. But then the shining ones also say, but there you shall never again see such things as you saw when you were in the lower region of earth, namely sorrow, sickness, affliction, and death for the former things have passed away. And he there. So not only are you going to see this magnificent place, not only are you going to live there forever, but you're never going to see all of this sorrow and sickness and the things that they name there. Sin, is, the evidence of sin, right. the and results of sin. Which points us right back to the cross right. when that burden fell and when it goes and it is it is buried and it is never to be seen again. It's the same kind of closure here. Listen, you're going to go and forever you're going to have this celestial city and you're going to have all the joys that entails. But not only that. All of the fallout from sin, not just your sin, but all of the the muck that you've had to dwell in because of right, sin, right. it's gone forever as well. Yeah, well, and it's, you know, Pastor Tim says all the time that in salvation, we are freed from the penalties of sin. Mm-hmm. And in sanctification, we're, we're progressively being freed from the power of sin, but in glorification, we're freed from the presence of sin. Right. And yes, there's a finality to the fact that when uh, Christ died, our sin died with him. But there's an even more ultimate finality when sin is put away forever and will no longer be even in the presence of, of sin. Right. And uh, all of these things go to inform us of the joys of the celestial city but then the shining ones, it's, it's and it's like they keep building, right. you know, it's almost like a, Hey, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more, yeah. but wait, there's more. And, and, and so the shining ones that the pilgrim, uh, the pilgrims ask, well, what are we going to do in the Holy city? The shining ones answered, you will there receive the comforts of all your toil and have joys for all your sorrow. You will reap what you have sown, even the fruit of all your prayers and tears and sufferings for the King along the way. And then this is what he says, he makes this moment. He says in that place in the celestial city, and you will wear crowns of gold, enjoy the perpetual sight and vision of the Holy One, for there you shall see him as he is. And yes. in that point, it it shows that, but wait, there's more. He's gone through all these things that you're going to have joy after joy. You're going to receive comforts. You're going to have a crown of gold. But what is the end? What is the capstone of it? What is the great and glorious reality of it? That you're going to have, you're going to enjoy the perpetual sight and vision of of the Holy One. Right, right. The one 
who has brought you into salvation, the one with whom you have labored and toiled for. You're not just going to be there enjoying this, you know, comfort for forever. You're going to be with the very one who took your sin and at the cross, the very one who gave you the righteousness. Christ himself will be there. And almost to emphasize it, in the very next paragraph, he says, and not only are you going to see him, you'll get to serve him. The guy that you've wanted to serve while here, having difficulty, you'll get to serve him, but there's going to be nothing in the way. There's going to be no infirmity. There's going to be no difficulty in your service to him. You shall continually worship him with praise and shouting and thanksgiving, which is exactly what they wanted to do all along the path. And they emphasize it again. There your eyes shall be delighted with seeing him. What's the delight? Right. It's, it's seeing it's him. Christ. And yeah. your ears with hearing the pleasant voice of the mighty one. And here is a stark contrast again from these heaven tourism books. In one of them, which again, I will not name the title of it, okay? But the man who wrote I think, it. I think the, the main point is that all of them should be avoided. That's right. The man who wrote it sounds like a really good preacher. He sounds like John Piper, but his name is not John Piper. His name is very close to it, though. Avoid Don Piper like the plague. John Piper, good. Don Piper, not so good. But so he, you, it'd be safe to say we are done with Don Piper? That's right. That's right. But he claims that he spent time in heaven. Yeah. And he says that he was shown the streets of gold. He was shown pleasures and comforts of heaven. He saw the the gates, that all angels, he he saw everything, but he says he never saw Jesus. That he wasn't supposed to see Jesus. That he never saw Jesus. But here's what his claim was that he believes he experienced all of the joys and all of the goodness of heaven before he was sent back, that he experienced every joy there. But he makes it clear that he didn't see Christ. He does that in his book. So how could you experience every joy if you don't see Christ? Because Christ is the joy. That's that's right. Jesus and his face and his presence, he is the delight. He is the pleasure. There is no comfort walking on streets of gold if you're not doing it with Christ. There is no comfort in being with angels if you're not with Christ. Seeing our loved ones, even if it's all for eternity, is not a joy if not rooted in Christ. Right. And this is one of the the really, for lack of a better way of putting it, despicable things about, you know, this this heaven tourism is that it sounds as though in his description, right, his description is very scriptural. A lot of what he sees and, and a lot of what he does is based on the scriptures. Um, but, uh, but but yet he, he doesn't see Christ, which, again, in one way or another, I think we would all agree, well, you can't see Christ if, right. if he, you haven't been glorified yet. Right. So, so I, sure would, that, I would echo, right, you yeah. did not see Christ. You yeah, know? So, so it kind of makes sense. But then to say that, I, you know, I've experienced all the joys of heaven before I came back, I was able to to truly experience everything in heaven before I came back. It's, it's I mean, like I said, it's despicable because, yeah. because clearly then it's not true. If Christ right. is not there, then I, I would argue it's not in heaven at all. If Christ is not your heaven, yeah. then then you don't know what heaven is. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the thing about the cele- the way Bunyan is, is describing the celestial city. It's, it's always like a wait, there's more, wait, there's more, wait, there's more, wait, there's more. But then the big finale of it is, and Jesus is there. Right. And, right. and all of these things have been great to hear about. It informs our, you know, wait, we get to actually live forever with right. Jesus right. in right. the celestial city. We actually get to have no sorrow and sickness because he's been with us along the way. The spirit's been with us. God himself has been with us along the way. But now there's no sickness. There's no sorrow. There's nothing getting in the way of our worship and service of him. And we actually get to be there forever and right. see him. Right. I mean, and, and you get the sense that from the beginning, when evangelist pointed and said, "Do you see that light there?" Keep and we, that light we, in your eyes. And we, yeah, keep that light in your eyes. And we kind of talked about what is that light? It is the light of the gospel of the glory of salvation in the face of Jesus right. Christ. Right. 
from the beginning, what has been the pursuit has been Jesus Christ. And then here at the end, you actually get him. Right. And to reduce that, to reduce heaven to anything else, to streets of gold. I mean, it's blasphemy. Yeah. Is what it is. It's, it's absolute blasphemy. All of my loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord and are, are in heaven and enjoying the, the benefits of that right now, they're enjoying Christ. Yes. First and foremost, everything else is a peripheral enjoyment, is a peripheral pleasure. Yeah. And we have to understand that this celestial city and what Bunyan does here is he says it's Christ. Yeah. It's all Christ. And when you read this chapter, again, if you know, if you've if you've listened to the discussion this far and you haven't read the book and, and read this chapter, go back and read it. Re- mm-hmm. Seriously, go go back and read it. Because uh, one of the things, you know, that you experience as you read this chapter is you not only, you know, experience the joy, but there's a sense of relief when when they finally make it. And now there's no there's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more struggle. And and even, you know, there's no more doubt. There's no more fear that accompanies, you know, walking in faith in, in a fallen world. But instead, there's there, there's a perfection that's taken place in their faith. Right. And there's a relief because we've made it. And now we get to experience we get to experience Christ. And how do they experience it? You know, they're, they're staying there at the gate. They're, they're, they're told about all these things from the shining ones, but they still haven't entered in. They're right. just at the gate, and then they are announced before the king, hey, you know, that, that they are there. Yeah. And, and it is said, you know. Uh, yeah. That, then that, each pilgrim handed their certificate, yes. which they had received in the beginning of their journey. These certificates were carried to the king, who, when he had read them, said, where are the men? Where are the men? And, and that's the thing. Like, like where are they? And, and, and it's, it's, it goes back to. They are allowed in, not because they, they they persevered in their own strength, not because they uh, not because they they had the right they said the right things to the shining ones or asked the right questions or it's not anything like that. It's because they had these certificates. Right, they had been saved. Right, and what we read in scripture is that is that it is the Father who has given a people to his Son. Mm-hmm. Christ is mm-hmm. is uh, identified as a bridegroom. We as his people, we the church, are identified as his bride, and the Father gives the bride to the bridegroom. Right. And and so, you know, this uh, this idea of, you know, he reads these certificates, uh, you know, it's almost as if a, you know, obviously we've, we've already identified the certificates as, as true salvation, and it's as if he, he reads the certificates and he sees, hey, these are, these belong to the people I'm giving to my son. Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. They, like I get to give them to my son. I right? want There's, them, bring them in. You know, yeah. why is there a delay? Bring them into this celestial city. Right. You know? And it's not, it's not an anger, you know, of a, why are they still out there? Bring it. It's a rejoicing. They're here. Yeah. Bring them in. And, and, and you get this mindset that it's such a, like you said, a, a relief, all of its, all of the the pressure is gone because they are loved, and their love is based upon I'm giving them to my son. And as they they get there, the, the the two shining ones exclaimed, "These are the men who have loved our Lord while they were in the world, and who have left all for His holy name. He has sent us to fetch them, and we have brought them thus far on their desired journey that they may go in. And once again, Bunyan hits it." dead on the nose, that they may go in and look upon their Redeemer's face with joy. Who are they being brought to? Who does the king bring them in for? Who have they been prepared for? A big, big yard where we can play football. That's right. Or a big, big house with lots and lots of food. No, but for the face of their Redeemer to look upon him with joy. And they are brought in. And they, the, you know, of course, I, lo- I love the way Bunyan says it. He says, then I heard in my dream that all the bells rang in the city, yes. uh, that they rang out for joy and that it was said to the pilgrims, enter into the joy of the Lord. I also heard Christian and hopeful themselves singing with a loud voice, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him who sits upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And you, you, you get the sense that, you know, Bunyan starts off that he saw that these are all dreams and and he 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 reiterates, he reiterates here that it's a dream, and you get the feeling. Bunyan's like, man, I wish I were there. Well, and that's one of the things he says. Uh, you know, towards the end of the book, he says, uh, "Now, just as the gates were open to let the men in, I looked in after them, and behold, the city shone like the sun." 
And and there you know there's there's almost a sense that you get that even as Bunyan is writing this, he's he's he he recognizes that I'm through the scriptures, I'm really looking in from the outside. Mm-hmm. I don't get to experience this. But I can I, I have a glimpse of what of what it looks like. I, I can look in after them as they as they enter into their rest. Because and he says yeah, and he says later, um, uh, uh, there uh, were also some angelic beings with wings, and they sang back and forth without intermission. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Mm-hmm. After that, they closed up the gates. When I had seen all of this, I wished that I myself was among them. And you've got to think, you know, because because when he wakes up from his dream, he's going to wake up, and his eyes are going to be opened to a prison cell right he's still a light in the world he's still in the world but not of the world he's still journeying as a that's pilgrim. right but what is his joy what is his desire what is his pleasure what does he long for he longs for christ he longs to be with him and he wishes i wish that i myself was among them and you get the the again looking to the scripture that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to be in the word because it's really the the word of God that really shapes our faith mm-hmm. and really reveals to us the object of our faith. Mm-hmm. And we will be filled with so much anticipation as we look to the future in the scriptures, as we look to what eternity is like. And man, as I, like as we read this chapter, you know, I was on the edge of my seat, and and when when we read that line from Bunyan, when I had seen all of this, I wished that I myself was among them. I said, "Yes, me too." Yeah, you know, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember going through a study from the biblical account of of heaven as we see it uh, uh, revealed in, in several places in Scripture, but mainly uh, at the end of Revelation. And I remember uh, we came to the portion of Scripture that described the the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. And uh, I asked in the Bible study for someone to read the the text of Scripture describing the New Jerusalem. And as all now all all this person did was open up the Bible and he just read the biblical account. And as he was reading it, he was getting more and more excited, more and more fired up. And it, it was kind of it was once again it was kind of wait there's more, wait there's more, wait there's more, you know. And and then you finally get to the end and you're just you're blown away by the imagery that's painted in the scripture. And once he came to the end of his reading, he looked up at me and to everyone else who was in the study and said, "Man, I really want to go there." Yeah. And, and that's that's where you get the sense there with Bunyan, you know, man, I really want to be there. Yeah. And and um, and it's because you've been taken to this height that the chapter doesn't end there. Right. Yeah. You read you that. Like it almost a, it almost feels like that should be the end, end of the book. Right. When I had seen all of this, I wish that I myself was among them. And then I woke up from my dream. Right. But that's yeah. but that's not how it ends. Right. Because he ends it with a warning. Yeah. And it's 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 it's. It is it is certainly the the biggest hard hardship to read about since Vanity Fair. Yeah. But it might even surpass the gut punch you get in Vanity Fair when you see ignorance come up to that gate. Yeah. And you know, going back to the book, he says, uh, he says, when I had seen all of this, I'd have wished that I myself was among them. Now, while I was gazing upon all these things, I turned my head to look back and I saw ignorance come up the side of the river. Mm-hmm. He soon got over the river and without half of the difficulty which Christian and Hopeful met, for it happened that one called Vain Hope, a ferryman, was there. And with his boat, he helped ignorance cross the river. Then I saw that ignorance ascended the hill and came up to the gate all alone. There was no man to meet him uh, with the least encouragement. When he arrived at the gate, he looked up at the writing that was above it and then began to knock, supposing the entrance would be quickly given to him. But he was asked by the man who looked over the top of the gate, where have you come from and what do you want? Mm-hmm. I mean, very co- different than what Christian and hopeful yeah. with Christian and hopeful when they, they, they walked through the river uh, and when they, ent- you know, got to the other side of the river, they were clothed in immortality and they were met with shining ones. Uh, ignorance wasn't met by anybody. No, he went across the river with vain hope. And that was not that again, it's on the nose. We understand what it means. And it's certainly intentional here at the end. How many times have we heard um, people say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person that, uh, you know, I'm, I, me and me and God were good. I, I, I remember um, 
a funeral I went to, and it's never easy to go to any funeral, but this was a funeral of a person who, man, they never ever, there was nothing about their life, and they were very kind, but there was nothing about their life that said that Christ was their joy, certainly, right. That, right. That, that, that there was a desire to know him and to live for him, to be a light in this dark world, to be in the world but not of the world, to be all those things, to be on a pilgrimage that Bunyan has brilliantly painted. There was nothing about this person's life that echoed those things. Yeah. But because he had made a commitment when he was a little boy, he thought that he was he was good. Now, I, I cannot judge the heart. I cannot see the certificate. I cannot see lack of certificate. But but what we can do is we can measure life, right. that life up against the, the standard right. of the and, scriptures. And, and, and what it looked like was a lot of vain was, it's consistent hope. Yeah. I remember the preacher who got up to, 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 to preach at his funeral. Didn't really know him very well. He knew of him. He knew the family. But he didn't know this particular member of the family yeah. very well. And before this person died, the preacher did have an opportunity to talk with him. And this was how the preacher described it. He walked up to him. He said, now, do you, you know, do you know that you're a Christian? And this person who had passed away that we were at their funeral for, he just simply stuck his thumb in the air and said, we're good. Yeah. And that was the end of the discussion. It had nothing to do with, I get to see Christ had nothing to do with 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 the joys of heaven had no, there was not it was not rooted or grounded in the bible rather it was just no I'm good I'm okay I'm yeah. good and we, well, and, that, and that sounds very much like ignorance yes, in, it in does. a book when yes, it when does. he Christian and hopeful meet him for the first time you know they're asking him all these questions and he says eh, I've lived a good life I know what the lord's will is yeah. you know I do all these good things and uh so I'm, I'm good. It's a very ho hum kind of a way of getting through it. I've got this vain hope, I've got this this assurance that's rooted in myself. Yeah, and there's no more need for anything else. And of course, we don't want to. We've seen the the grand and the glorious entrance into the celestial city. Now we see the absolute terror. Of not being allowed in. Right. Yeah. And so uh, going back to the book, um, uh, ignorance was asked, where have you come from and what do you want? He answered them. I have eaten and drank in the presence of the king and he has taught in our streets. They asked him for his certificate that they might go in and show it to the king. So he fumbled in his bosom for one, but found none. They asked, have you no certificate? But the man answered not a word. And, you know, we've, we've pointed out already that throughout the book, uh, Nobody asks to see anyone's certificate right. because nobody can see anyone's certificate. If the certificate represents true salvation, there's no way for us to look into the hearts of right. other other people and see their whether or not they possess true salvation. Right. Uh, what we can do is we can come to the Word of God. We can measure ourselves up against the Word of God. We can measure each other up to the Word of God and work to uh, conform uh, mm-hmm. to the Word of God. But there's no way for anyone to ask to see anyone else's certificate. There's no way for us to look into the heart, but one day we will stand in judgment and we will be asked for that certificate before one who can see the heart. Right. You know, one who does. Yeah. And, and and I mean, and this last section of the book is just like you said, it's gut wrenching. Uh, They asked, have you no certificate? But the man answered not a word. So they told the King about ignorance, right? They didn't, they didn't bring him in. There was no celebration. Hey, you made it to the end of your journey. Good job. You know, right. uh, nothing. Uh, they left him standing there at the gate. So they told the king about ignorance, but he would not go down to see him. Instead, he commanded the two shining ones who had conducted uh, Christian and hopeful to the city to go out and take ignorance, bind him hand and foot and cast him away. So they took ignorance up and carried him through the air to the door, which I had seen in the side of the hill and threw him in there. Then I saw that there was a way to hell even from the very gates of heaven, as well as from the city of destruction. And it's, it's interesting to note that every time Christian tried to speak with him about it, he always had an answer, you know, yep. always had an answer. Yep. He always had a, look, I might not have a certificate to show you, even though he didn't say those words, but let me show you this. You know, yep. I have, and he even tries that here at the gate. 
I've 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 been around the king, right? I've yeah, eaten, I've eaten I've and drank in the presence yeah. of the king. I mean, you know, I've that done almost, all these kinds of things. That almost sounds like I've taken of communion. I've taken the Lord's supper. I've eaten and drank with in the presence of. But of, when of it's the king. revealed that no, this guy can see your certificate. He sees all. What happens? He His mouth is word. stopped. Yeah, answers not a word. He's got nothing. Why? Because you cannot talk your way into heaven. No. You cannot talk your way out of condemnation. There is only one means by which we are saved, and it's through only the cross. Only one name under heaven by which men can be right. saved. Right. And, and it's not Drew. No, and it's not Josh. Right. Uh, and it's not any name other than the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. And the face of our Redeemer and yeah. the the glorious face of our gospel is in Christ. And I do think that last sentence is so telling when he says, then I saw there was a way to heaven even from the very gates of, or there was a way to hell yeah, right. even from the very gates of heaven as well as from the city of destruction. If you remember, uh, Christian left because he recognized he was, uh, he was destined to die uh, and that he needed to face judgment. He wanted to escape judgment. He mm-hmm. wanted to escape hell. And that set him on a journey to the celestial city. Now, let's say he made it to the celestial city in the same way ignorance did, without yeah. without ever coming through the cross. Right. He would have found that his efforts did nothing to spare him All from in hell. vain. All in vain. Because God, the king of the celestial city, as it's worded in, in, in Bunyan's book, the king will absolutely, without a doubt... He will condemn those who are still in their sin. Yes. And he will absolutely send them to their eternal judgment. They will be there. It doesn't matter if they if they make it by walking kindly or politely through the world. Yep. Or, it doesn't matter if they have fled certain and destructive uh, attitudes or, 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 or habits. It doesn't matter what you right. do. It only matters if you have put your faith and trust in the name above all names if Christ has saved you from your sins and if your righteousness is now imputed yep. righteousness from Christ. Right. And and there's a real sense in which we must flee the wrath to come. Mm-hmm. But if we do not flee to Christ, we will not escape that wrath. There's only There's only one way to escape the wrath of God, and that is through his son. And the only way that's through his son is because his son has already accepted that wrath on behalf mm-hmm. of his people. And so, like I said, there's so much that we could say about this book. There's there's so much that we could talk about. Um, honestly, I would I would not mind spending another hour just oh, talking about talking about this chapter alone just because it's just so it's just so filled with 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 such poetic Im- imagery. Uh, it's so picturesque it's uh, in the in its description. It's so rich. It's so absolutely rich. Uh, and then not only that, it's just so helpful in understanding mm-hmm. what it means to be a true pilgrim, mm-hmm. right? Versus versus a false convert like like ignorance. But we're going to go ahead and close this discussion out out here. Like I said, including this discussion, we're looking at about six hours of discussion on this book. And hopefully that that doesn't bore anyone. Hopefully we've broken it up in a way that is that has been you know enjoyable. If and you've been bored, just repent, you know, because I mean we're 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 so <laughs> enthralling. Right, right. Yeah, we're so in, we're such interesting people. So <laughs> if you're not interested, that's clearly not not a problem with us. That's right. But but at any rate, we really do hope that the book has been has been helpful for you. We hope that it's been interesting. We hope that you've enjoyed these discussions. Uh, to be honest, it, whether or not you enjoyed it, we enjoyed it. Yeah. So we're probably going to keep doing it because we do enjoy this very much. I, I say that's a good plan. And and speaking of, um, we are. Uh, you know, after this releases, we're, we are going to start production on on the next book. And Josh, do you want to tell us about just a little bit about, about that the, in the next book? By the Prince of Preachers, it's a it's a book. It's actually a collection of three of his sermons. It's called just simply Assurance. Yes, and it it feels very appropriate after reading a book like Pilgrim's Progress, after uh, and looking even at the at the at the condition of our world and the yeah. signs that are the, not the signs of the times, but just the times that we're living in. Man, people are trying to hold on to something. A lot of people are looking yeah. to hold on to political, you know, powers or or you know vaccines or, or all these kinds of stuff that's going on. Our assurance has to be rooted in something far yeah. greater than those, and so. Um, so this will be this will be unique in that these are sermons, or it'll be right, fun right. and different for us because these are sermons, and yeah. uh, 
So I'll, I'll try and do my best Spurgeon. And I agree. I do think that this is going to be very helpful, especially after this book. If I'm being completely honest, as we read through this book, there were several times where we'd read about some of these other characters, not Christian, mm-hmm. not hopeful, not faithful. And I'd say, oh, that kind of sounds like me sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, that. Yeah, I've said that before. I've done mm-hmm. that before. I've been that person before. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, if um, a- anyone who has a, you know, an awareness of, of their own sin at some point or another will wrestle with the question of their assurance, the yes. assurance of their salvation. Have, have I truly been born again? Have I been saved? And, and it's difficult to, you know, sometimes it's difficult to chalk it up to, you know, a, a particular experience you had uh, or, or something like that. I mean, we even see in the Castle of Despair that Christian, you know, questions. Yeah. And, and at the River of Death as well, he questions, like, have I truly been saved? Yeah, his assurance is certainly not very uh, firm. Right, right. And so I think, you know, I'm very excited to, to go, through, uh, go through these sermons, to go through this book. Uh, and I think it'll be very helpful uh, for everyone. If, again, if not for everyone, then I'm sure it will be helpful for me. And for me. Right. So... Again, we hope that you've enjoyed uh, this book, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time on The Ardent Archives. We hope that you enjoyed this discussion of the Pilgrim's Progress, and we hope that it has been edifying to you and your walk with Christ. Now, this conversation is by no means exhaustive, so we pray that our discussion leads to meaningful conversations with friends and family as you consider what it means to be a pilgrim in this world. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact us at podcasts at northclay.org. For more information from North Clay Baptist Church or from the Ardent Archives, visit our website at www.northclay.org. We look forward to learning with you again soon here on the Ardent Archives. Ardent Archives, a ministry of North Clay Baptist Church. Here we explore the writings of church history in order to edify and equip the saints in their ongoing discipleship. In this series, we are reading and discussing Assurance by Charles Spurgeon. This small booklet is the sum of three sermons delivered by the Prince of Preachers on the subject of assurance. Spurgeon directed these sermons to Christians who question their faith and live with doubt concerning their salvation pointing to Christ and Christ alone as the author and finisher of our faith and the guarantee of our salvation. So sit back and prepare to have your heart and mind engaged as we dive into Assurance by Charles Spurgeon.